0: Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're in a series called, But First, and we've talked about really from the scripture of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. It says, but first, seek first. The kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you we talked about how really we're pulled from so many different directions and we're pulled from work and from relationships and from family and from school and from all the tensions we have going on in life and you know we, we we're pulled in so many directions and we can be so concerned or focused on those things but god right here this is jesus speaking he says but first Before we get into all that stuff, seek God. And then he's going to take care of all those things that concern us. And so we've really been diving in uh, really what it looks like to seek God first. Excuse me, I'm about to cough. (coughs) It's not COVID, I promise, okay? It's just three services. Come on, somebody. Uh, but really, we're, we're, we're talking about seeking God and what it looked like. We've talked about praying and how that we seek God through prayer. We talked about fasting and how we seek God through fasting. We talked about his word last weekend. And today I want to talk to you about a topic that is a part of seeking God that I believe, and that is love. But first, we must love. And so I want to show you in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. It says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Seek God first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your mind with all your soul with all your strength with all love the lord then it doesn't just stop there that's seeking god but then it doesn't stop there it says the second is equally important not the second is important the second one is just as important it shows us a part of understanding that seeking God is not just loving God, but it's also, the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the no commandment is greater than these. And so it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, but it doesn't stop there. Then it's love God, seeking God is loving God, but then also loving others. It's important part of our relationship with God. In fact, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20, it says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, this person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their brother and sister. Then Jesus says in John chapter 13 and verse 34, it says, A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. But this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So he's saying, listen, I want you to know. I want you to love everybody. I want you to know that people will know that you are my disciple. You are my followers. You are a Christian. They will know not by how much you pray. Not by how much you know your Bible. Not how many scriptures we have memorized. It doesn't say that. Those things are great. But in fact, it says people will know that we are his followers. We are what we call Christians by the way that we love one another. And so people say, oh, well, yeah, because we're just supposed to love everybody in the church. Like, we're supposed to love each other. But people outside the church, like, no, it's his brother and sister. Like, that's believers. Like, that's one another. We're supposed to love. I'm glad you think that way. Let me show you that you're wrong. Praise God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, it says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say... Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. So we see here, Jesus is talking. It's not just talking about loving each other and we just kumbaya together and we just love Jesus together and we just, we just continue to do what God's called us to do and then everybody else we can just be aggressive with. If they disagree with us, we, uh, with us, we can post something negative about them, come on somebody and we can do all these different things outside but as long as we're good with each other, we're good. No, in fact, Jesus says, love your enemies, those that not only disagree with you, but hate you, that mock you, that wronged us. It's hard to love somebody that's wronged you. Just me? Okay, cool. But this is what God says. It's a command. He says, I don't want you just to love people that, that love you. I want you to love even your enemies. It's a new command. He says that you have heard this law, but now I want to give you something even greater. Love your enemies. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. It says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us i believe this that we love based on our understanding of what love is we only can love as much as our understanding of what love is it's a perfect example if you meet someone that's been in an abused home as they grow up they get into life and they think abuse is part of love And so we love based on our understanding of love. And so here's what I know. We can only love people as much as an out of an overflow of what we believe love is. Well, the Bible says God is love. And the Bible says that God loves you and I. Well, we can only love people as much as of our understanding of how much God loves us. If we see God is mad at us, we're going to be mad at people. If we see God has given us grace and we receive that grace, an overflow out of that should be grace. We love based on our understanding and an overflow of being loved. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14 it says, the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God the Father, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. It's, he's showing us, Paul is writing the scripture, and he's showing us a picture of what the love of God looks like. The amazing grace of Jesus. The extravagant love of the father and then the intimate friendship of the holy spirit i believe this that in order to truly love the way god wants us to love we have to first know how much god loves us i want to show it to you today as we write down the we'll we talk about this scripture the amazing grace of the master the first thing we see is the amazing grace of jesus the amazing grace of jesus in luke chapter 10 in verse 30, this is a very famous scripture. Many of you, a story, many of you know it, the Samaritan, good Samaritan story. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he had passed by the other side. Then a despised Samaritan, came along and when he saw the man he felt compassion for him going over to him the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him take care of this man if his bill runs higher than this I will repay you when I come back This is a very famous story about us living out and loving like the Good Samaritan. And we often say, you know, I want to be the Good Samaritan. I want to love people the way the Good Samaritan does. And I've actually taught that and preached that, and I believe that. I believe that we should live like the Good Samaritan. But as I was studying this week over this message, the Lord really showed me a picture of really the Good Samaritan. Before we can be the Good Samaritan to someone else, we must first realize that Jesus is the Good Samaritan to us. He first is the good Samaritan to us. So what I did is I did a little fill in the blank. And so I want to show you in the scripture, same scripture, but I want to do it through the blanks. It says, Jesus replied with this story, blank was traveling from Jerusalem. I want you to put your name right there. So if your name is Jordan, Jesus replied with the story, Jordan was traveling from Jerusalem. If your name is Karen, we're going to pray for you. But Karen was Karen was traveling through uh, from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked or she was attacked and they stripped him. So put your name there. Cloak stripped him, beat him up, left him half dead uh, beside the road. Next scripture, please. By chance, a priest came along and when he man saw the man lying there, he crossed over the other side, passed him by. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, passed him by. Then Jesus came along and when he saw the man, he saw you. When Jesus came along, he saw you. He felt compassion, for you. Next scripture. I love this. Going over to him, Jesus soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put whatever your name is, blank Jordan, on his own donkey and took care of him and took him to an inn when he took care of him. Stop, hold right there. I love this right here. It shows us the amazing grace of Jesus. The Bible says that He this man, the Samaritan, Jesus, he sees this man in a hopeless situation. Every single one of us in this room watching online, we have all been in some sort of a hopeless situation. Some people still are. The Bible says that we've all fallen short, that we've all sinned, that we've all made mistakes, that none of us can reach the standard of God by ourselves. And so God saw this and he said, you know what? I want to send my son. And Jesus said, you know what? I want to come to earth. And he, I love it. He says he goes over to him. I want to come down from, to, from heaven to earth and I want to show them how much I love them because I want to meet them where they are in their hopeless situation. This man was beaten, it says, left for half dead. All of us in this room spiritually were dead. And here's what happens. I love it. Jesus, he didn't say you got to get better. You got to fix yourself up. You need to go to church six times before I'll talk to you. Or You need to open your Bible. Wait, blow the the dust off the Bible. You got to read the whole Bible before I'll talk to you. Nope. You know what you got to do? You got to pray 40 times before I'll talk to you. No. Jesus said, I want to meet you right where you are in your hopeless situation." He wants to meet all of us, and he does, and I love this. No matter what we've walked through or what we've done or where we've been or what our background is, we're never too far. God is always wanting to come over and reach us and kneel down. I love it. The man came, and he reached down and says, you know what? I see where you are, but where you are, I want you to know. Even though you may not like it, I want you to know I love you. And I love it because he didn't make the Samaritan. He didn't make the Jewish man get up. Okay, come over here and meet me over here. And then when you meet me over here, then once you can get up and you can walk over here, then we'll be good. No, he said, right where you are, I'm gonna come to you because he loves us. Every one of us in this room, maybe you're walking through something hopeless in your life. I wanna let you know Jesus is our hope. There is no hope greater than Jesus for all of us, us in the room that we know that we were once in a hopeless situation spiritually and how God has brought us out now. This is how we say we understand his love and we understand that he's become our hope. So now I want to overflow to those around me showing them hope in my life. I don't want to be somebody that's negative towards someone else because they're walking through something or because they're doing something. No, I want to meet people right where they are. They may not be like me. They may not look like me. They may not sound like me. They not, may not believe the same things as me, but I want to be able to meet people where they are because that's what Jesus did for me. That's what he did for all of us. That he, his love is so great. His amazing grace is so great that he would literally come down from earth I mean from heaven excuse me and meet us on earth and live in this life and i love it it says that he he soothed his wounds it's showing a picture of how jesus he heals us and he restores us and then i love it it says that he bandaged them the bible says that god forgives us and the bible says that love covers a multitude of sins he covers us he covered the It's A picture of god showing us that jesus is the one that forgives us of those things and covers those sins and then i love it it says then he put jordan on his donkey and took him to an inn i love this He didn't just bandage him up and then leave him. He picked him up and he carried him and he brought him to an inn. It's a great representation of the church and how God wants us to be a part. He brings us and he he restores us and then he puts us in a community of people. Notice that the man wasn't fully healed. But he was bandaged. And he was wounded, and he was—he he, he, was—he 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 was soothed, but he wasn't completely healed. Why? Because he then brings him to the inn, and he tells the innkeeper, "I want you to take care of this man and allow him to be healed and restored." It's a perfect picture of the church that we are to allow people to be to come as they are, and that they, we understand God's working in them, and that we would love them and we would help them begin he, to become healed from their past hurts, that they would be restored from past relationship tensions, that they would be freed from addictions in their life that we would be a people that allow people to to be able to be who they are so that we can meet them where they are so god can continue to do what he's called them to do i don't want to be a church i know we're only three years old and we're a toddler church i've said it already and but i don't want to be a church that comes across as we have to be all together to be a part of our church I don't want to be a church that, as we put our, our nice clothes on and we come in and we we lift our hands, you know, not all the way, but kind of way, you know what I'm saying? And we don't want to go too high because then you're like, you're like one of those people, you know what I'm saying? You're like, Pastor Jordan, you don't want to be that intense. And so I'm just going to kind of lift my hands here. Maybe I'll do this, you know, maybe I'll cradle the baby, you know what I'm saying? Like just a little bit here and we look all good we hear our message Mm, amen brother Mm, that spoke to me today and then you walk we walk out and we talk to our spouse or our friends or our family members oh man that word was so good Mm, mm, so good and we go throughout our weekend we go back to church and we do the same thing over and over and over again I want to be a church that that people understand we're all broken that we don't none of us have it going on if you have it going on I want to hang out with you because I ain't got it all going on praise God we're all broken We're we're all imperfect, and so I don't want to be a church that comes across as a perfect people. No, here's what I want to do. I want to come across as a person that says God loves me in my position of where I am. His love is unconditional, and so what I want to do now is I want to overflow out of my brokenness and understanding how much he loves me, and I want to love you too. This is the heart that God wants us to have. We're not not coming to church to think we got it all together. No, we're coming to church because we ain't got nothing together. just me cool well you're coming so you must like it this is what it's about This is what loving is really about. Loving is not this feeling that we feel when we do something nice for someone. Loving is understanding that I'm broken, that I don't have it all together, that I don't deserve it, but yet God still chose to send his son to die for me. And in in my brokenness, I'm so grateful for his love that it overflows out of me and says, I know you're broken. I know you're not like me. I know most people may think this is wrong, but here's what I wanna do. I I don't wanna worry about fixing you. I want to worry just about loving you where you are in your place, and then I love it. The man walks with him. He carries him. He doesn't just say, I want to pray for you, brother, and then he moves on. Y'all know how it is. You're in the middle of the work week, and you're tired, and you're hangry a little bit. Y'all know what I'm saying. Y'all been fasting a little bit, so you're a little hangry. You're supposed to be spiritual, but you ain't. You know what I'm saying? And you're just you're a little hangry. And then you somebody, a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, you're walking your dog, and you try to get, just get life going. You just kind of get through it. And you, you ask somebody, like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, not good. And you're like, oh, no. Y'all know what I'm saying? You're like, you're just trying to small talk all of a sudden. You're like, hey, hey, girl, like, how, like ladies in, this, in college, you're just like, hey, girl, how, how's things going? She's like, mm, it's been terrible. And you're like, uh-oh. I love this. I love this because this is what human flesh does, human nature does. But Jesus shows us a picture of that's not what he did for us. He didn't just say, oh, okay, I'll die for you, and I hope you make it. I hope you'll do the rest. He doesn't and so what he did is no, I want to yes, I want to die for you. I want to meet you where you are. I want to I want to allow you the opportunity to be forgiven, but then now I want to walk with you through the process of your healing through the process of your freedom through the process of your mess i'm okay with getting messy with you as christians if you call yourself a believer this is what god has called us to do he has called us to be a people that are willing to get messy with people what does that look like to me that looks like he's willing for he we are willing to be inconvenienced for other people around us y'all know how it is like nobody needs help from from nine to five Somebody needs help at like 10.30 at night. You're about to fall asleep. You know what I'm saying? Like you big chilling. You're watching your Netflix. And next thing you know, a phone rings. So-and-so needs something. You're like, oh, Jesus. Somebody send somebody else, please. But true love is I'm willing to be inconvenienced. Why? Because I know I'm on the same journey as you are. You may think that I'm further along, but we are all on the same journey, and that is a journey to be healed, to be freed, to be forgiven, to be restored, to, and to continue to be who God has called us to be. Let us be a church that seeks God with our whole heart, with praying and fasting and, and reading the scripture and studying the word. But let it, let it not stop there. That's only portion of what God has called us to. Let us also love people like Christ loves us. It's the amazing grace that he's given us. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14 says the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God. The extravagant love of God. I love this. I love this translation. It says the extravagant love of the Father. Extravagant. It's not just like, okay, I love you. No, it's like a little extra. Or a lot extra. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, y'all know the people that are a little extra, and you're like, mm, God is extra with the way that he loves us. No matter what it is, no matter where we are, his love is unconditional. And I love this. And unconditional love means this. No matter what the condition or state we are in, he will always love us the same. No matter what we said yesterday, no matter what we did last week. No matter how far we feel from God, whether we prayed last week or 10 years from now, or 10 years ago, no matter where we are, God, his love is unconditional. It's extravagant, meaning this. No matter what the condition or the state we are in, he loves us exactly where we are. You cannot go outside and find a place where God will lo- not love you. The Bible says it in Romans. It says no matter where you go, you cannot separate you from the love of God. Why? Because his love is so extravagant that no matter where you go, I want to encourage you in this room. Maybe you're in a place where you feel like God's mad at you and you don't, you don't, you haven't been close to God and so you feel like God's not looking good at you and you feel like you got to be better. God loves you. He is not a God who is angry or mad at you, but he is a God that loves you and desires to be in relationship with you. It's is extravagant love. Psalms chapter 103 says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will, not always, uh, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repair us according to our iniquities. Repay us, excuse me, according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far as he removed our transgressions from him from us excuse me as a father has compassion on his children so the love the lord has compassion on those who fear him i love this because he says the lord is compassionate and filled with grace he's gracious whenever i hear the term gracious i always think of being patient you know god's so patient with us think about how many times in your life, we pro- none of us in this room could count or online could count, but think how many times we have grieved God with our decisions, and yet every time he is still patient with us and loving us where we are. He's never become mad at us. He's never been where he's displeased as far as where he says you're not good enough. No, he's always loving us. Why? Because he's a patient God. Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. With knowing that, are we overflowing out of our lives, patience for others in our life? Y'all know how it is. Your patience start wearing, starts wearing real thin. That family member or that friend or that coworker or that employee starts wearing real thin. And next thing you know, we can get into hu- our na- human nature. And next thing you know, we boil over and we wanna say stuff. But God says no matter where we are and what we're doing, he's gracious to us. And so we should be gracious to others. I love it, he says he's slow to anger. It's so quick in our culture to become angry. We are so quick to respond. I'll say this. We're so quick to react in our emotions. Imagine if God, oh, I'm just going to get, I'm just going to talk. I didn't talk to the first service about this. Imagine if God was quick to react with us. I don't know about you, but I'd be in some major trouble. Imagine if he was quick to react, but he loves us so much that he's not quick to react. The Bible says he's slow to anger, not letting his emotions take over. I would encourage you, someone says something online that you disagree with. Just because you disagree doesn't mean you gotta react. Doesn't mean you have to repost and share and say all the comments and blah, blah, blah. Or, better yet, for those of us that we don't say anything, we just read the comments careful. Because next thing you know, we're supporting somebody on either side. When God says, be patient with people, loving them, being slow to angry, to get angry. And then he says, abounding in love. I love this, the the term abounding in love. I love this because he loves us so much that throughout our lives, his, his love abounds throughout our entire life. You know, as we are three years old again, we're, we're so young. I know three years is not a long time at all. And so we're such a young church, but it's so cool to see all God has done in such a short amount of time. But it's cool. This weekend always kind of gets me in Ash, you know, a little bit more emotional than normal. And so it's, it's, it's so cool though, as we, as we look throughout the course of our life, how God's love has led us to the different seasons in our life. And his hand's been on our life. We can see his hand all throughout our life. You could probably do the same thing as you look at your life, even in the bad times. Even the times where you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm gonna make it or what's gonna happen. You can see the hand of God moving in your life. And it's so cool because we can see a picture of his extravagant love abounding in our lives. He's always leading us. And I love that because here's what happens. When he leads us, he ends us getting us to a place way better than we could ever get for ourselves. Ashley and I will tell you, she'll tell you, I'll tell you. Five years ago, if you would have said we'd be in Tallahassee, we would have laughed at you. We never thought we'd be in Tallahassee. In fact, we thought we'd be in New Orleans. Many of you know our story. We thought we'd be in New Orleans. I thought I'd be preaching the gospel in Sin City. Come on, somebody. I I just thought I'd be doing it. And God had a different plan. And here's what we will tell you. You can ask Ashley. We will tell you the same thing. Now, before, we could never imagine ourselves living here. Now, we could never imagine ourselves living anywhere else. Why? Because God's plan is his love has abounded. It's been so cool to see he'd lead us. And then now we see his plan has been so much more satisfying than my plan ever could be for myself. He leads us. I'll never forget we were in the process of meeting people to start, to to launch in January of 2019 is when we launched and we were meeting people in the fall of 2018. I'll never forget we were meeting these two ladies we were meeting with these two ladies at a coffee shop. I'll never forget this for the rest of my life probably, meeting these two ladies. And I was kind of frustrated with God. I'm just going to be real with you, okay? I was a little frustrated with God. We had been here for a few months. I hadn't really met a lot of people, and we hadn't really connected with a lot of people. The people I met with were like, there's a lot of churches already in Tallahassee. You sure are in Tallahassee? I'm like, yeah, I think God is a." And so I was, I, I was, I was having these conversations with God, where, God, where are, where are your people and where, who are you calling us to? And God, what are you, what are you wanting me to do? And who are you wanting to meet? And so we just would, anytime we heard any opportunity, to anybody that was even somewhat interested, we would meet with them. So I remember sitting across from these two ladies in a coffee shop, Ashley and I, and I start just sharing the vision. I just start sharing why we believe God's called us to Tallahassee, shared a little bit about our story, shared about how God's called us to reach people and build lives, and just sharing the vision, just doing my very best to just tell them why we believe God's called us here. And in the middle of this conversation, I'll never forget, this lady starts crying, like just, I mean, bawling, crying. And I mean, like, not like crying like like I'm talking about like ugly crying come on ladies you know what I'm talking about like the ugly like the mouse like you know what I'm saying <laughs> I didn't do that in the first service either that one got me too okay good <laughs> that noise was really weird I don't know what that was I don't know what that was that was really weird I, I sometimes freak myself out okay anyways um, so she was like ugly crying in the middle of she was ugly crying in the middle of this this, this coffee shop and I'm, th- I'm thinking like God, you know what I'm saying? Like, God's on the move. I didn't say this, but I'm thinking this, you know, what I'm saying? like, man, God is just, he's doing something great, you know? And she says, no kidding, she says, and the other, then the other girl, the other lady starts crying too, So they're both crying, I'm like, man, we about to, the whole coffee shop's about to get saved for Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Where are the kids? We're about to dedicate some children for Jesus, you know what I'm saying? About to flip some tables like Jesus did in the coffee shop. This is, God is on the move, Holy Spirit, oh, you know what I'm saying? so they're crying and i'll never forget she said these words i'll never forget this she said for two years i've lived in tallahassee and she said i've been praying for a place a home like this let me explain something to you one that did something in my heart where i said okay god you've called me here but then two the cool thing about it was, and this has happened, we've heard this now for the last three years, we've heard this through so many people now, where they said, you know, Ashley and I, we were praying, God, is this really where you want us to go? God, we want to be obedient to you. We wanted to see. We want to make sure we're doing what you've called us to do, reach the people you've called us to reach. We, we were doing our very best. We weren't just trying to leave and just get out. No, we wanted to follow Christ and where he was calling us. And so we were seeking God about where. And at the same time, there were people in Tallahassee that are praying, God, send me somewhere that I can call home, that I can have a family of spiritual community, that can I can grow and I can be challenged. And so here's what's cool about God's love abounding. He was answering Ashley and I's prayer, and he was answering other people's prayers at the same time and we didn't even know it. This is the love of God. It's so extravagant that the very prayers you are praying are being answered in the future, and they're being prayed by someone else, and you don't even realize. This is how extravagant God's love is. I got so excited. I'm not lying. I got so hyped. I was like, we're about to take over the whole city for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my gosh. Said, we're about to go preach. Let's just go preach to everybody. Everybody's about to get saved. Now, let me tell you something. We started calling these ladies. Never heard, from them again, from, never heard from them again for the rest of my life. Never saw them. They never came. Never showed up. She was praying for two years. Never came. I'm going to be honest with you. She must not have been praying that much. You know what I'm saying? And I know, it's, I know this is funny. And again, if you're here, if this is you, I don't even really remember what she looks like. So if you're here, I love you. I, I promise. <laughs> like, thanks for coming. We love you. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Come on, mate. I don't even remember, really remember what you look like. If you are here watching online, I don't remember what they look like. Why? Because you know what I did? I brushed it off and I moved on because God was doing something else. Come on, somebody. Well, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying even though they never came. That's totally fine. But that meeting did something in my heart that did, was way greater, and God did something in my heart that was way greater than someone attending a church service. It was me seeing God's hand. It was me seeing His extravagant love in my life. And I want to encourage you if, you, if you look around, I'm telling you, in your life, you will see the extravagant love of God all throughout your life, all weaved, all throughout your life. And you may be in this room and you may say, I don't even know God. Like, I'm far from God. It's all good. I promise you. God loves you so much, if you make yourself aware to Him, I promise you, you'll see Him in your life even if you don't know Him. It's not about knowing Him. He's a God of unconditional, extravagant love. Know Him or not, He's weaving throughout our lives because He desires for us to know Him and follow Him. He's a good God. And I want to encourage you as I close today. I want to encourage you. The question I would ask. Are we a people that are showing the same love and the same grace to others? Are we are people that are willing to say no matter what the condition you are in you're welcome in my life I'm not just going to say, oh, yeah, I'll pray. Oh, you talk to me about your hurt at work. Okay, yeah, I'll be praying with you. Okay, yeah, I'll pray with you. And we walk away, and we, never, we forget to even pray for them. But are we a people that are so understanding of the love of God in our lives that it overflows out of us in such a way that we meet people where they are, and then we walk with them. The extravagant love comes in us and then through us and allows us to be able to walk with people, meeting them and loving them where they are. Or are we so caught up with, we got a nine to five and I got to be home for 5.30 or six o'clock for dinner and I got to be up at six o'clock for this and, I, I gotta, and we can get so caught up in our routine and I'm not saying family's not important. Family is very important. It's the most important ministry you will ever have. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, are we so caught up in our own selves that we're not even allowing ourselves to be aware of loving those around us the way Christ loves us? Because I can promise you this, if I know God enough, and I only know Him a little bit, but if I know Him enough, I know this. He wants others to see Him through us. He wants others to know they're loved. He doesn't want just you and me to know we're loved. He wants you and me to know we're loved, but it doesn't stop there. It's not kumbaya, God loves me. Oh, let's float together, praise God. No, it's we understand how much He loves us. We receive His love, and now the overflow goes into my entire life, my family my coworkers, my boss, my friends, my neighbors, my classmates, my teachers, that everything in my life overflows out of it the extravagant love of God. Why? Not because we want to look good and, oh my gosh, let's clean up and feel good. No, it's because we know we are a broken people. And without his love, we are doomed. But because of his love, We now can receive, one, forgiveness, but two, also eternal life. And so from that love, now it overflows out of us, and we want everybody else around us to see his love and know his love. It's part of seeking him. But first, before we get so concerned with work, and before we get so concerned with school, and before we get so concerned with relationships and future and all these things, but first, seek God. Praying, reading, fasting, but it doesn't stop there. And loving. Loving in a way that is so extravagant and so unconditional because we know it's what Christ did for us. Amen. Can we pray today, Father?